0: Hi there, it's Christy Lee here, and welcome to episode number 114 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Great to have you here today. And I do have a very special guest joining us on the podcast today. Now, before I get started, I just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up that this is slightly, ever so slightly, a little off topic to our usual discussion points here on the podcast. Whilst we do talk all things people in business, Largely, our focus is on human resources, employing staff, keeping compliant, how to lead people, managing difficulties when it comes to our teams. And today, we're taking a slight divergence away from that core topic, but bear with me because this is still extremely relevant to the people in our team. Now, as I've shared on the podcast before, I've had my own business for quite some time, 16 years or so now. And for those of you who, like me, have been in business for some period of time, you've possibly noticed that things, particularly when it comes to technology, have changed quite some way in that period of time. In fact, a really, really long way. I mean, I I can recall when I started um, my career in consultancy that an actual online database was very, very new. And I remember one of my first bosses and a wonderful mentor would make us carry um, like a manual card file. (laughs) I'm just remembering it because um, they had moved to an online database, but because it was so new, she really didn't trust that system was going to be reliable. And of course, this was pre the days of Being able to access everything on the cloud or anything on the cloud, that really wasn't a thing. Um, So if we were out of the office, it meant we couldn't access the online database, right? So we had to carry these card files so that if we got a call outside of hours, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning, um, someone needed a temporary staff member, which happened all the time, I would be commuting between the Central Coast and Sydney And I would be pulling over off the freeway to look at this manual card file to find a temporary person to call. So it it doesn't feel like all that long ago that things were that far backwards when it comes to technology. And certainly, even from the period of time I've had my consultancy business, I recall, you know, even dialing in via some kind of VPN connection was weird and time-consuming and usually really slow. And so the only way to be effective, even when business was online, was really to be in the office nearby a server. Remember those times? I really don't miss those times. I'm quite happy that things have moved along very quickly. Um, I'm sure my family are also happy. I remember my children, both of my daughters actually, went hospital, office, then home because I had to get in to do payroll and stuff. And they were things we couldn't do remotely. So Things have really moved forward from a tech perspective, which is awesome, and we all love it. But on the flip side, there are some risks and challenges with that come with that, and that's exactly what we're talking about on today's episode of the podcast. Today, I am chatting with Michael Tremlett, who is an ethical hacker and a small business cyber security expert. Now, If Michael's voice sounds familiar, it's because he has featured on the podcast previously. In Michael's most recent role, which he held for many years, I think it was more than 15 years or so, uh, Michael was a general manager within a business and he's been on the podcast before to chat about leadership in that particular business. But he's now on a new journey in the ethical hacker Cybersecurity space. And so I invited him back on the podcast um, as a previous member of People Powered HR to talk to us about what we need to be aware of. Because I think many of us, to be honest, and Michael and I chat about this in, in the interview, we've got our head in the sand when it comes to the risks in small business for cybersecurity. I know me for one, you know, I understand kind of what it is. I can certainly understand its risk for big business and for government and for our personal data and information. But when it comes to our small businesses, you know, I think we've got our head in the sand. And it it really is time to get our head out of the sand. Because whilst our head's in the sand, we cannot see the tide coming in. And Michael talks to us about the risk points when it comes to cybersecurity and what we really fundamentally need to be aware of. And interestingly, and this is where the discussion is really relevant to the people-powered business podcast, is that the biggest risk point, as Michael points out, is in fact people. So we're going to encourage you today when we chat through this discussion to talk to your team about these risks, to give them some scope, some knowledge and advice, and also to get the right people around you when it comes to your support to help protect you and your business when it comes to cybersecurity risks. So without any further delay, let's jump into my discussion with Michael on all things cybersecurity for small business. Michael, hello. Welcome. It's great to have you here.
1: Thanks, Chris Lee. It's great to be on the podcast again and a big fan of the podcast, so I'm thrilled to be here.
0: (laughs) I was so pleased to invite you on to talk about a topic that you are so knowledgeable and passionate about. And I admittedly, like many of our listeners, I think are clueless about. So your expertise is going to be super valuable today. Now, as I've mentioned in the introduction, Michael is an ethical hacker and A cybersecurity expert, especially when it comes to small businesses, you spent the last period of time running a program around that. But I want to dive in, in the most obvious question possible, Michael, what on earth is an ethical hacker?
1: Well, most people associate hackers with people in black hoodies living in their parents' basement (laughs) wanting to cause trouble. And that may have been the case, you know, 20 years ago, but these days the hacking landscape is very different. Most hackers are highly educated and have a specific goal in mind. There are three broad ca- broad categories of hacking, and that is a white hat hacker are the good guys, ethical hackers hired by organizations with the specific goal of testing and improving security. You have black hat hackers, which are the bad guys. They illegally use their skills for personal gain or malicious intent, and there are grey hat hackers, which are neither good nor bad, but they feel it's their duty to demonstrate security flaws in systems without gaining permission, but do not cause damage or gain anything from it. But it is also important to note that any hacking of systems without permission is illegal. So that being said, an ethical hacker is a white hat hacker who has been trained as a hacker, but uses their skills to protect rather than destroy.
0: I love that differentiation. And Uh, I think we're all familiar with the black hat hacker concept. And that is a tongue twister, guys. You should definitely try saying that a few times at home. Um, But that's a great distinction. And I think your grey hat hackers, I spoke about something the other day called ethical fading, which is a, a concept that Simon Sinek actually talks about a lot, where we think we've got some kind of moral obligation or because everyone else is doing it, it's suddenly okay to do it. If it's not ethical, it's not ethical. It's it's that black and white effectively. So
1: that's correct. And look with, in the hacking area there as well with gray hat hackers, there, there's a term called hacktivists. And they will go on and hack websites to face them with their own political agenda or, or yeah. message and put them put it on there. They're kind of gray hat hackers uh, bordering on black hat, but it's it's very similar to that. Yeah.
0: They try and justify it with some kind of social justice cause or something along those lines. Correct. I think that I feel like that might be on the rise in, in the current climate that we're yes, in. Actually, I agree, which is interesting. Interesting. So, as a as a white or an ethical hacker, white hat hacker, you uh, people like you are engaged by businesses, by corporations, to to hack ethically, to look into to problems, to faults. And you were sharing before we jumped on the call that. You've actually had a long-term interest in this before hacking was even a, a thing. So you've just had a passion, really, haven't you, for understanding what's going on behind the scenes when someone is, um, you know, encroaching on someone else's cyber world.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my um, experience in IT goes back to 1998 and back then I was, you know, cybersecurity wasn't a thing. We were all using dial-up modems and not always connected to the internet. so. Um, all your cybersecurity was was really um, virus hunting. You put an antivirus on the system, and it would flush out viruses as you got them. With me, I would look at uh, virus code to see what it actually did, and kind of um, it was more of a hobby than anything else. You know, kind of flash forward to now, or you know, even five, six years ago, where it started to become more and more of a speciality. Then you know these these skills that you kind of acquired or or have learnt about you know, from years and years ago, start becoming more and more relevant and become a specialist industry. I always um, use the analogy these days that an IT person is like a dentist. You go to a dentist to get your checkups and so on done. It's kind of like the IT IT guy, you you have your systems kind of updated and and they work, but if you want cybersecurity, you need to go to a specialist for that, and that's uh, where I equate that to more of an orthodontist in that way. You mm. know, they work with the mouth, they work with the computers, let's say, but they are specialist in being able to determine um, what is happening to your systems. Is there a threat? Are you under attack? And how can we prevent something from occurring that may you know, cause a compromise of your system or leak your data online. And that's really the differentiation here is that the the cybersecurity experts are going to be specifically trained as a hacker to be able to prevent something that they've been trained about from happening to you, whereas a regular IT company will just make it work. And that's Mm. that's a very important distinction there is that even even though they're in IT, they may not be specially trained um, to identify what's happening on the cybersecurity landscape.
0: Yeah, and it is a term that we, I think we all know, like we know the term cybersecurity, but I don't think we really truly understand, for the most part, what it actually means. So how, can you define it for us in a simple way?
1: I'll try. Um, so
0: <laughs> as simply as it's, you know, humanly possible. Simply as we can, all
1: right. So we, cyber security really is the practice of defending computers, servers, mobile devices, electronic systems, networks, and data from malicious attacks. It's also known as information technology security or electronic information security. In other words, it's a technical speciality, and in business, you will need someone who is aware of cyber risks and is actively protecting you from possible harm. Now, there are a number of broad categories of cybersecurity, which are computer as a tool, which kind of amounts to fraud, identity theft, phishing scam, spam, and propagation of illegal material. There is computer as a target, which includes viruses, denial of service, and malware. And computer as a tool and target is where most SMEs will be situated. Mm -hmm. There are other cybersecurity categories, not associated really with SMEs, but it's useful to know they exist. And these are Cyber terrorism, where someone intimidates or coerces a government or organisation to to advance his or her political or social objectives by launching a computer-based attack against computers, networks, or the information stored on them. You have cyber extortion, occurs when a website, email server, or computer system is subjected to or threatened with repeated denial of service or other attacks by malicious hackers. Now, these can happen in the SME space as well, However, it's mainly aimed at enterprise and large online businesses, such as Google, Facebook, and Amazon, who suffer greatly from prolonged outages. And finally, there's cyber warfare, which is a broad term describing the use of technological force within cyberspace. It's nations versus nations. This is what is happening at the moment with the war in Ukraine. So look, there are many, uh, there are multiple categories of cybersecurity. Thankfully, SMEs don't need to be concerned with many of the heavier topics.
0: Mm. And I think I think that's the part of cybersecurity that we kind of not understand, but are familiar with. It's that bigger end of town, you know, risk to government um, files and our, our information that the government holds on us, and that getting breached or accessed. Uh, the big banks, certainly, we understand that. You know, uh, if, if Amazon goes down, as you said, that's a, that's a big direct target at their business um viability and we think about you know that yeah but that's something for them to worry about not something that we have to worry about and you touched on this earlier it feels like and I might be right in saying this this wasn't an issue back in the day like you said in in the late 90s when you were starting in this field and it made me think back to the late 90s when I was finishing uni I I had like a dot matrix printer to print off my assignments, (laughs) one of those ones that made all the noise and had the holes in the sides. And yeah, the the noise of the dial-up internet just to try and actually get on. Um, And I I laugh at my kids these days who, you know, you ask them a question for their homework and they ask Siri to answer the question for them. (laughs) And I've tried to explain what it was like to go to a university library and have to look things up and use microfiche machines. Am I right in saying that, This has become an issue due to the advancement of technology, the fact that now everything is in the cloud and we are not, I guess, as in control in a hands-on way of our IT stuff as we were when we had a server in our office or we had, um, as you said, dial-up internet. Has it become an issue due to the advancement in technology?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It has. And it's become really the ubiquity of the internet as well. I mean, going back to the the days that you were talking about, you actually had to get online by dialing out via your modem. Mm-hmm. You had to have a specific reason to be going on the internet. Now it's, um, you know, you pick up your phone and, and ask Siri a question and suddenly, you know, you're on the internet there as well. So you're carrying around the internet in your pocket. You're always on the computers, which these days are all connected to the internet. So it's the ubiquity of the internet that enables this sort of, um, you know cyber security problems that we have I mean everyone's a target suddenly um, it's not just the the nerd that hangs out in their in their basement connecting to the internet to to talk to others on a on a bulletin board service back in the 90s. Um, <laughs> Someone sure asked the other real- day
0: about yeah. a forum do you remember a forum do you know where I can find a forum to talk about this topic and I thought they even exist anymore.
1: It's all Facebook these days, isn't yeah. It? I mean, exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, that's really old school." Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so, so, really, I guess. Uh, just getting back on track with the with the cloud uh, cloud question. Ooh. Really, um, you know, cloud computing for those who don't know is about putting all of your data on servers out on the internet. So you no longer have them within your walls. It's great because it allows you to access your data from anywhere in the world it was excellent for when we had to work from home but it also leaves the front door to your data exposed for anyone to access it now Whereas, you know, what we were talking about before, when your data was housed within your business with no external access, it was all under your control and the front door to your data was not simply a username and password away from being exposed to unauthorized people. If you really think about that, your data is just a password away from being viewed by unauthorized people because a hacker will likely know your email address because that's typically public and that will take up that'll be half of your login right there. So all they have to do is then guess your password and your data could then be leaked online. And that's kind of a scary thought. And as someone who ran an IT business in the past, it is something that keeps you up at night. Luckily with cloud products, any reputable cloud service provider will have a team of cybersecurity experts or white hat hackers working for them actively thwarting cyber attacks. Even so, data breaches still occur all the time. Um, I, I go back to the, cyber, the Australian Cybersecurity Centre released a report for last financial year, which showed that there is a report of a cyber security breach every eight minutes in Australia. And my personal thought is that it's actually much higher than that because most people don't report their breaches to the government. So, And that's a really, not, no. really scary <laughs> thought.
0: Yeah, that, and that's a lot. And So you've touched on a couple of things there, and I want to get into the risks for small businesses especially, because that's what we really need to know about. And you've touched on something important there that um, has actually put my mind at ease a little bit, in that the service providers we're using, provided we're using big, reputable service providers, which most of us are, we might be using um, OneDrive with Microsoft, a lot of us are using the Microsoft Suite Google, obviously, I've seen so many businesses almost running their entire business off the Google suite of products these days. Those companies actually have people proactively help, helping protect our data. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct. So they will have teams of uh, people in what's called a security operations center looking for attack trends. Um, you know, and they have a team of you know, uh, white hat hackers who are on what's called a red team or the attacking team that will actively try and um, attack, you know, these products, let's say Microsoft 365 to try and get in around the security systems that they have in place. And, they're doing this all the time because, you know, you get an update through for a system and they're updating their systems all the time in the back ends there. Um, And you introduce bugs, you introduce security problems and so on. So they're constantly testing for these things. So taking the security, uh, so taking the technical aspect out of that altogether, because they're on top of that, you don't have to worry about, you know, the servers that your data is residing on. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is really, protect your username and password and right. that is really what it comes down to with a lot of these cloud services is that you're protecting just the the front door you don't have to worry about anything that's going on behind the scenes because the big guys have a team of security experts that are actively protecting their systems and your data
0: that's that's great and that's something I didn't know and it does make me feel better about my my data security so protecting small businesses and and us protecting our uh, our data Our password sounds like a pretty important factor that we need to be considering there. What are the other things, and we might circle back to passwords, but what are the other things we want to be doing to help protect our business?
1: Yeah, really, uh, when you talk about cybersecurity, you need to look at it from both an external point of view, such Mm -hmm. as the Nigerian prince wanting your money, Mm -hmm. um, and from an internal point of view, such as a disgruntled employee looking Mm -hmm. to cause trouble or Mm -hmm. gain financially from their privileged position. So did you know that hackers often look out for disgruntled employees, usually on Facebook, to cut them in on any profits if they agree to being what's called an initial access broker? Ooh. In other words, they knowingly allow a hacker onto their computers so the hacker doesn't have to find a way into the network through technical means. That's uh, And that is growing in popularity. You know, if you're extorting a big business for millions of dollars and they cut you in for 5%, well, hey. You know, you get yourself a nice little holiday there.
0: Oh, my Lord. That is actually scary.
1: Yeah, and that is on the rise as well. I mean, we're talking small, medium business here, so it's not necessarily a um, a problem for small, medium business, but it could be. It mm-hmm. could be. I, um, I mean, attacks happen all the time, and any sort of money is good money to to a hacker. Yep. But, you know, in, in most cases, just like we said there, in most cases, the, the weakest link is people. Mm-hmm. So did you know that 91% of all cyber attacks start with an email? And this is the human element that is so hard to protect against. Most successful attacks come from unwitting employees clicking on the wrong link in an email mm-hmm. or being tricked into entering their username and password into a phishing website. Mm-hmm. So the key risk for small business is people.
0: Okay. And this is about educating our people?
1: About educating people, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean. Uh, what do you look for in an email really is is one of the major things. What what are some of the, the red flags that you look for in an email? Is it from a uh someone that you know? Is it from their email address? Is it written in a way that that seems like it's written from them? Are there spelling mistakes in it? Is the grammar okay? Hover over the the links that they may yes. send you to see whether they go to a website that you would be expecting. So if you're getting it from, you know, NAB, make sure when you hover over the link, it says NAB.com.au, not NOB.com.au. Yes. You know, it's not something that's, uh, that's similar, but, you know, uh, but also different to to what the real website is. So it's it's educating people on on that. And I'll leave you actually just with, with one thing on that. If you do get an email from one of your service providers, like an AGL bill, that's usually mm-hmm. a, a big one, um, don't click on links within emails. If there's a link on it, don't click on it. Go to the website yourself. Go to bring mm. up your browser, go to agl.com.au and log in with your credentials there. Don't click on the link within the within an email for anything, anything mm. at all. Mm. Um, and that will help keep you protected um, most of the time. Like, uh, yeah, just don't click on links in an email
0: don't, don't click on links in email it's pretty simple guys like yeah, really and i have used that hover over trick myself lots of times before and i remember i can't remember who it was from but i got an email that looked legit like really looked legit um the the email address was correct it, it looked exactly like but i just had intuition and i just hovered over the link and i went no that is definitely going to the wrong place but I think, you know, for our team, especially that they're not cognizant to that kind of thing, we do need to provide some education for them and it can be really simple education, it can be you talking to them at a team meeting about what to watch out for because that's 91% like that's a big, big number that we can be easily avoided.
1: Absolutely, and look, and what what some businesses do, and we used to do this back at um, Loyal It where I used to work, and um, was whenever a spam email would come through or get through our spam filter, it it wouldn't be circulated to the team, but it was um, the person who received it would send an all points email just saying, "Hey, look, this is what I just received. I received something asking for a bank account details. Beware, be wary of this. This mm-hmm. is something that's happened." Um, so that is. Uh, even just on the fly kind of education like that to say, yep. hey, I, I'm being attacked here. I've, I've been had this email come through to me. Just be aware that that may come through to you as well. Heads Watch up, out for it. don't open it, delete it straight away, type of
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the key. Not open and delete straight away is 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 critical. Yep. What about our passwords? Because clearly that's a problem. And um, I think the key, and this is what I've noticed in what I've been, all all my suppliers keep instructing me: change your password regularly and make it almost impossible to guess. Now, my problem with that is I can never remember all my passwords (laughs) and then I'm constantly resetting passwords and it's all a bit of a drama. What is best practice when it comes to changing our passwords and making it as good in terms of protection as we can?
1: Okay. Well, this is going to sound like a bit of a drag, um, but it is important. So Mm. um, ultimately password best practice is that you should never use the same password on multiple websites every one of them must be different. In, in other words, all passwords need to be unique. Mm-hmm. They need to be 16 random characters or more incorporating uppercase and lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. Now, it's not easy doing this. So you'll likely need to use a password manager to track them all. I have to say, um, I have no idea what any of my passwords are except for the 27 character long password to unlock my password manager's vault. And the password manager I use is one called Bitwarden. It's a free free um, tool and it's been vetted by a number of security experts. So I'm quite comfortable with uh, with using that product, but mm. it can also generate these 16 character long random Perfect. passwords. Perfect.
0: Okay. So the Will tool you? can give us the passwords. That's important. It can. Is, is, I know LastPass is very popular. Is that a recommend tool for this
1: purpose. LastPass and Bitwarden are very, very similar. Yes. Okay, great. So if you great. if you're using LastPass, it, it's gone to a paid model, whereas mm. um, Bitwarden is free um, to be able to use on your computer and your, on your on your phone. Mm-hmm. LastPass will only let you choose under the free account whether to use it on your phone or or on your computer, which is why I use Bitwarden so I can have it on both devices for yeah, free. Yeah. Yeah. But LastPass is probably the leader, yeah. but be be prepared. You'll be slugged for a, um, a monthly fee for that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think whatever you're going to use, just use something. And so because that sounds complicated, but if the program, if Bitwarden actually generates the passwords and then stores them for us, all we have to remember is our master password and effectively. Password.
1: password. Exactly yeah. right. And you know, a lot of the time these password managers will automatically enter in your username and password when you go to the to the right website as well. Yeah. So um so all you're doing is just clicking login basically and, and away it goes. So is it, that
0: safe to do? Because I'm guilty of that. I because I don't want to have to remember them. Is that safe to do that it is
1: Absolutely safe, of yes. Course. As long as you um you know have a long password on your um on your chosen you mm-hmm. know password manager product, then, you know, it, it. it's very, very safe. And it, it does matter which ones you go to as well. So um, there are a number that have, have been breached in the past. Um, so There was a, one recently, I think it was an Australian-based one, beginning of last year was breached, which was an enterprise product, and mm. um, it leaked all enterprise passwords for all of the businesses that were associated with it. So mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of that product, but yeah, it that was a big one. Um, so I would dare say that they're probably not being audited like LastPass and Bitwarden are. So they're mm-hmm. being audited by independent third parties. So it's very, very important that you have a look at what they actually do to protect your data. Yeah, um, so, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know any of my passwords. Gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you any of my passwords at all for any of the products that I use because I rely on this Bitwarden product to be able to store all of my passwords for me. Mm. And um, you know, so, even getting back to that as well, some people kind of um, laugh at the idea of writing down your passwords. Mm. And a lot of the time you're not protecting from people within your home, which is maybe where you're using it or within your office. Um, You're protecting from people on the other side of the world. So writing down your passwords and keeping them under your keyboard, let's say, um, is not such a bad practice. Um, I I know my my dad actually writes all his down and keeps it in his safe at home. And um, that's just as valid. It's just not as easy. I guess, yeah. to to input in because you're going to have to get out that, that piece of paper all the time, look it up and, and then type it in manually. But there, there is um, a security benefit to doing it that way as well. Mm-hmm. Just uh, maybe if you're not in an open plan office, don't leave all your yeah. passwords out <laughs> in your desk. You know, some common sense needs to be had there. But you know, I guess if you're working from home, you're not protecting you against your significant other that might be in there. You're protecting you against those Nigerian scammers on the other side of the world. So they're not going to have your password, which might be written down on a piece of paper in front of you.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay. So old school works in this particular case. It does. So do you think, this might be a controversial question, do you think small businesses and small to medium-sized businesses have their head in the sand when it comes to the risks that they face here?
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, absolutely. And look, I ran, as we mentioned before, I ran the federal government's Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect Initiative here on the Central Coast for 12 months. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a mix. Uh, people are aware cybersecurity is a thing, but typically mm-hmm. they either said, I'm too small and I have nothing of value. Who would want to attack me? Or mm-hmm. it's too hard. I don't know where to start. Or I think my IT company looks after this. Um, And when you say, uh, going back to when you say you don't have anything of value, I would say, if you don't have anything of value, why are you in business at all? Sure. I'll I'll give you an example of something that has no value to you or anyone else, but has enormous value to me. And that's my photos. If a hacker were to lock my photos so I couldn't access them, but then said to me, I could give them back to you for $1,000, would I pay it? You bet I would. And this is a perfect example of the paradigm of a typical ransomware attack where your data gets locked up, the the hacker will say, hey, I can give you data back for X dollars. And you then have to pay it to get your data back. And and everyone has data that is valuable to, to them, not only to them, but you may also have personal information of people that work with you or that are contracted to you or that are your your patients or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Um, so all of this data is actually valuable. So you need to be uh need to be thinking of that when you come to you know securing your systems. And really cybersecurity is hard. And this is why it is now a you know specialist in- industry. Yeah. You know, if you've not had a cybersecurity talk with your IT company, they will be doing best effort to protect you, but likely not be putting in any proactive services in place to keep you secure. So any listeners out there uh, that are being looked after by an IT company, it would be ideal to open a conversation with your IT provider about proactive cyber security support. Even though it's hard, there are some simple things you can do to protect yourself straight away, such as not using the same password on all of your accounts.
0: <laughs> yes, I think the password is our biggest message here. So. The biggest mistakes that business owners make when when it comes to cybersecurity, putting their head in the sand has got to be the number one mistake, and just not being aware and, and knowing to ask the question seems to be one as well. Are there any other mistakes that we haven't yet touched on that you think people are making here?
1: I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples here. So mm. one of the biggest mistakes uh, is assuming that you aren't going to be hacked because you have an antivirus.
0: Ah. Uh,
1: one of the things you were taught in hacking school is actually how to bypass antivirus. So antivirus will only protect you from the most egregious threats. So having an antivirus on the system is not a cybersecurity plan at all. Right. and. As, as mentioned before, people are the weakest link. So training your staff on how to identify phishing emails or training staff on safe internet browsing habits is an ideal start. And there is actually a uh, a quiz that you can take on cyber.gov.au. Mm-hmm. It's about a three, it's a three example quiz um, mm-hmm. of two emails. I think it's two emails or three emails and a, and a text message. And it asks you which one of these are, are legitimate and which one's not and why. Mm-hmm. So you go through it and then it will point out to you why these are legitimate or not. Um, So that's a really, really good resource to have a look at. I don't know the exact website because it's really, really long, but if you go to cyber.gov.au and look for their phishing quiz, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G quiz, you will find, um, actually, I think it might be called the scare message quiz.
0: Okay, that's I'll find here. it yeah, and it, I'll, I'll put please. the link in the show notes.
1: Perfect, perfect. Um, yeah. And that way is a really good starting point to be able to start looking at um, how to identify these types of emails that, that might be coming through to you. And if you're wanting to start building your cybersecurity defenses, there is an interesting framework called Defense in Depth. Mm-hmm. which combines a number of technologies to help minimize your exposure. So for example, if we look at email defense in depth, we would start with a spam filter to remove any obvious spam from your inbox before it gets to your inbox. then you would have just uh, then you would have the antivirus in place. Just in case an email gets through and someone clicks on a malicious link, it may be able to clean it up before it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Let's say it can't you will then want an endpoint detection and response software, which is like an advanced antivirus. It it works by monitoring your computer and network for possible malicious activity and kills anything it deems to be suspicious. It works via AI kind of technology. And then finally, I would be putting in a web filtering product even if an email were to get through and someone were to click on a malicious link, if they can't get to the malicious website, then you're protected. Mm. So so what I'm saying is that you just can't rely on one technology to protect you. You need to be combining technologies to help keep you safe online and your IT company um, or IT provider should be able to give you some um, advice or be able to offer some products to be able to build your defense in depth strategy.
0: Right. So this is a multi-pronged approach that we need to be taking here in order to truly protect ourselves
1: absolutely in this
0: space. and space it's really
1: important to know that nothing is 100% either i mean all of those um, defense in depth strategies could fail uh, yeah. i mean uh, you know, getting someone, uh, you know, like a uh, an initial access broker to be able to take it on a USB drive and plug it into your system and double click on something and allow a hacker in. Well, that's thwarted all of these all of these safeguards. So there, there there's always a way around it. But what we're trying to do is just minimize your footprint, your your exposure footprint, and not become that low hanging fruit. If you're the lowest hanging yes. fruit, you're going to get stung by a hacker. And if you have these types of protections in place, even just an antivirus will help you. It just elevates you higher than the lowest hanging fruit, which might be your neighbour, and they might get stung. You don't want to be the one getting stung. You need to have some protections in place to elevate you a bit higher.
0: Mm, Okay. So action items. What can businesses do right now? They can talk to their IT provider and open a conversation about what's proactively happening at their end around cybersecurity and managing risk. Yes. They can look at what's in place now and improve it because there's no way that most of us have even a shadow of some of these things you've been mentioning so looking to i guess even if it's incrementally improve your positioning in this in this space by adding some different technologies by educating yourself by educating your staff
1: yes and Um, and just on the education side of things there mm, as well um i would highly recommend that you google something called the essential eight okay this will take you to a cyber.gov.au website. Again, it's a really, really long website, um, but if you Google it, you'll get there. And this gives you the top eight recommendations for securing your business. So there are four maturity levels for each of the essential eight items. Level zero is basic conformance, and level four is kind of like enterprise level. Mm-hmm. So my advice is to check it out and see how your business stacks up to the essential eight. And that is that is a really, really good framework. And as I said, we were running that cybersecurity initiative for the last 12 months, mm-hmm. that is what it was based on, the essential late and it's um, it's an amazing framework and it's aimed at small medium business to be able to help at least get you
0: started exactly and that's it my message today would be get your head out of the sand because when your head's in the sand you cannot see the tide coming in and the reality is the hackers are getting smarter their ways and means of doing things and it's just something you don't want to have to deal with. So I'll, I'll find a link as well to that Essential 8 resource because that sounds really valuable and put that in the show notes. And so get your head out of the sand, grab the resources, and just start somewhere. You don't have to go to enterprise-level, exceptional, total cyber protection straight away. But if it's better than what you've got now, then you're one step ahead and then you can build on that, right? Absolutely. Excellent. Michael, that has been Invaluable. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share with us today that we haven't yet covered um, around this discussion?
1: Yeah, there is just one other piece of advice that I would probably give um, that we haven't talked about already, yes. and that is um, to vet your new employees. Uh-huh. Now, um, this is also part of the essential aid, uh, and they say that it's best for you to perform police checks on all new employees. Uh-huh. So, you know, you are trusting people with your business and you may be unwittingly letting someone into your business with a criminal background. So you need to do everything you can to protect your business. And a police check before a new employee starts will give you you a level of confidence that they have a clean history so and that is one of the things that they try and drive into you in the essential eight it's about you know protecting yourself and your business by making sure that the people that you have working for you aren't there for you know nefarious means
0: (laughs) the the wrong reasons exactly now that's fascinating because i know some businesses that definitely do police checks but the vast majority do not and police checks are not difficult to do uh they can sometimes take a bit of time to come back, but um, they're certainly not not a challenging process by any means. So that's a really interesting point, actually, that, that it might be something we automate, want to make just part of our recruitment process.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You never know, you know, if you don't know the person, um, then it's always a very good idea to 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 get them checked up on because there, there might be some things in their past which they're not telling you.
0: Right, and, so you add know. police checks to your reference checks and all the other things that you already do um, to make sure that you, the person you're bringing on is, is absolutely right. That's just make it part of your process.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. You don't want to be bringing on the initial access broker into your system. No, <laughs> And in fact, actually getting back to some of the types of hackers, there's uh, one of the types of hacks is a uh, hacker employed, which, basically means that a business will hire you to go and get hired by a competitor so you can go in there and hack their systems
0: <laughs> oh my lord it's, it's uh, quite um it's amazing it's quite a mature industry in many ways
1: absolutely and it's just getting more and more uh it's getting worse and worse really at the end of the yes. day i mean um the hackers are not finding ways in um, through technology so they're getting smarter about what they do yeah. to be able to to breach your defenses and as I said I mean these things are, are kind of big business end of, end of town type of things but it's always something it's always good to have that in the back of your mind especially you know in small business because uh, you never know you, you never know when when that attack might turn to you.
0: Yeah exactly and, and you're much better off being prepared rather than Having to deal with it on the run because it 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 wouldn't be fun. I can't even imagine. So no,
1: no, no not at all. You don't. Yeah, you want to protect yourself um, proactively before um, before inviting in um, yes. this, these types of attacks. So it's um, very very scary environment out there at the moment. Not only just out on the internet from a techno- technological p- point of view, but also from the people point of view.
0: Definitely, and that's been a real highlight that people are. Uh, you know, the face of all of this, both from a protection point of view and, and obviously the ones at, at the other end as well. So Michael, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us here today. It's been a great chat and I'm sure everyone is going to take some action and take some takeaways and work to improve their protection of their cyber security.
1: I hope so. I hope so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Christy Lee. Thanks, Michael.
0: Now, wasn't that an awesome discussion? It did get a little technical <laughs> points and, um, I just really appreciate Michael coming onto the podcast to share his expert knowledge in this space, because um, as you could sense, um, he is just uh, so knowledgeable in cybersecurity, specifically in this whole space of being an ethical hacker. And I seriously, I love the term ethical hacker. I just, when he said, I'm an ethical hacker, I said, I want to know more about that. Tell me about that. So it's just such a fascinating um, thing to be working in and i really want to bring to your attention a few of the key points that michael touched on in our discussion just to you know really emphasize some of the risks that we're looking at as we mentioned it is really time for us as small business owners and even managers within small to medium sized businesses to think more strategically and intentionally about cybersecurity and the risks that are really real to our business. And it is really time that we get our head out of the sand. And I know it feels overwhelming. And just one more thing, we have to try and get our heads around, which can be challenging. But the risks are real, as Michael shared. And whilst we think it's not going to happen to us, it clearly is happening to a lot of people. I really loved that Michael pointed out in our chat that the biggest risk point when it comes to cybersecurity breaches and risks is people. And I was really fascinated about the fact this is not just our existing team members being a little bit, um, you know, blasé when it comes to clicking links on emails or failing to update passwords and all of those things, but also that people are actually trying to be employed in businesses purely for the purpose of hacking into their systems. I had not even thought about that being a thing. So I found that extraordinarily fascinating um, and interesting that that Michael recommends police checks across the board for all of our staff in relation to this space. Um, So I think, you know, the key message really is understand the risks, understand where the risk points are with your people, and start to have a conversation with your team. You know, our employees, like, It's just like anything else that we do in business. We need to give them advice and instruction and direction. And that might include sort of showing them what a dodgy email looks like, what to do in terms of not clicking links on emails that might expose um, our systems to risk. Um, And also in terms of getting people to support you when it comes to your cybersecurity protection, understanding what to ask your IT provider, whether they are the ones that are the best fit for this or whether you need another expert as well to help. I think they are all really important points because like all things, we don't, we're not experts on everything in business. So it's important to, you know, listen to the advice from people like Michael that really are experts and take that advice and just take one, one step, one piece of action from this discussion to improve where you stand right now. Now, on that note, Michael mentioned a whole stack of resources in our in our discussion. I'm going to put the links to all of those in today's show notes. You'll be able to grab those wherever you're listening to this podcast, um, or if you just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com and you're looking for episode number 114, and all the links will be there. But you'll be able to grab that wherever you're listening to today's podcast. Um, I've had a look at all the resources. They're really simple to understand and just will help you take the next best step for your business in protecting you from your cyber security risks. So I really hope you've enjoyed that episode today. It is a little bit of a divergence from the usual uh, topic of conversation, but I thought it was really a great conversation to bring to you to help us all become more aware of our risks and to help understand how our people form part of that risk profile as well. So thank you again for joining me today. If you have enjoyed today's episode, if you could take a moment to leave me a rating or review, we would truly appreciate it. And don't forget, hit subscribe if you haven't already to make sure that you don't miss an episode. New new episodes are released each and every week. That is a wrap for today. I'll speak to you again next week on the People Powered Business Podcast.